0: Welcome to the Making Hay podcast with Marcia Miller from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we help veterinarians from new graduates to seasoned practitioners navigate the sometimes tricky waters of personal finance. We all know the saying, making hay while the sun shines. As cheesy as it sounds, it represents a lot of what we help people do in their financial lives and businesses. We know each of you faces unique challenges and we're here to offer advice tailored just for you anchored in service, stewardship, and a genuine understanding of your profession. Join Marsha Miller, your guide on this journey. Marsha has spent over 25 years in financial services and her passion is helping vets like you get a handle on your finances. Tune in to each episode as we meet at the intersection of veterinary practice and financial management. With help from expert guests and insights from Marsha's own experience, we're going to tackle your biggest financial questions head on.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Making Hay with your host, Marsha Miller. Marsha, it's good to see you. Our first time together. You are uh, excited. I'm excited to talk to you. You've got a very interesting story. And so let's just start with a simple set of questions here. Does that sound good to you?
2: Sounds good. Sounds awesome. All right.
1: Well, let's start with everybody knows you're a financial advisor. Right. The question is, how did you decide to get into this industry? I've asked this of a lot of folks, and there are a lot of different ways of getting into this industry. Tell us yours.
2: Well, I've been in the financial services business for over 25 years, and it kind of all started with my oldest brother, who was a finance major and ended up being a CPA and tremendous career. And I just always admired him and knew that I wanted to do something in finance. And so where the story gets a little interesting is I started working for an advisor while I was in high school.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
2: And I ended up loving it and I kind of had a knack for it. And so I just kept on going and... By the time I was 32, I owned a business and I've been self-employed since, which was 25 years ago. And um, I'm certified state planner. I'm a registered financial consultant. And it just kept evolving or pivoting, if you'd like to say. Yeah. And um, yeah, back in the early 2000s, I worked with the Medical Association State of Alabama, their foundation, which did some estate planning and financial planning for physicians in the state. And so I was pretty much for a few years only working with human physicians Mm. That program. um, It was a little niche kind of closed out and I started working with retirees and um, kind of then from there, uh, I so-
1: want to I, I back up for a second, though, okay? because okay? this is like intriguing me in my mind. Okay. You, you made this point of saying you worked with human physicians. Right. <laughs> I wonder why you wonder why you made that distinction.
2: Yeah. So our specialty now is working with veterinarians. And Uh, I I like to, I like to say that veterinarians are the humble, kind physicians. (laughs) Um, They're just so awesome to work with. And I kind of identify with them. Um, My parents, my dad was a pastor. So I grew up as a PK. I just really, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but all of those experiences of watching them and, you know, just the story of growing up in that kind of household, And just seeing that servant's heart you know at action Mm -hmm. it kind of defined who i am today you know and so i really just love working with these veterinarians and working with rather than human physicians and maybe not should say that too loud (laughs) but i do i do i just love the servant's heart and um yeah they're just they've been great to work with
1: well i understand i understand our my my uh, our, our veterinarian is is a wonderful wonderful lady she's terrific and and your whole practice is truthfully filled with like really nice people. So I could, I could understand that. I can understand. That. So I guess I'm assuming from that answer, your ideal client is somebody who works in, in agriculture or, or is a veterinarian in some kind of way. Just
2: veterinarian. So straight veterinarian. So from the time they graduate from veterinary school and they have all the debt and they don't know what to do financially because they're not taught that in school, to whether they, you know, they go into owning a practice or when they get near retirement, we work with all phases of veterinarians, So that's kind of cool. But a little bit more, too, about my roots. I think that this might um, be entertaining or, or whatever. <laughs> um, OK, when I was naming my podcast, Making Hay came up and it came up because I grew up my grandfather. Actually, both sides of my grandparents were farmers and oh, yeah. Yes. And so my maternal grandfather, specifically, we would go to his house for most holidays, travel there. And I couldn't wait to get there because he had all of this acreage and all these animals and the joy of getting there. We would the older grandkids, which I was one of, we would jump in the back of his truck and he would ride us around in the pasture and tell us when to throw a bale of hay out to the cows. OK, so that is my roots. And I love all that. Um, You know, even though I I never wanted to be a veterinarian, I always wanted to do something financial. It's a big part of who I am. And then also my parents, when they got closer to retirement, all of us kids were out of the house. They bought a little gentleman's farm, if you will. Mm-hmm. And they bought they had like 30 or 40 acres. They had cows, they had chickens. My mom wanted a chicken coop and be able to go out and get her on eggs and you know, she's out there taking care of the new calves as they were born and that kind of thing. She even came home one day with a belly pig. That's another story because my dad put a no to that because those are inside pets. Yes,
1: gonna, yes they are. <laughs>
2: didn't know it. She <laughs> didn't know. So I think that is like parents that love animals, grandparents that love animals, and then just, you know, some of the kindest, best people, you know, as parents. And I'm finding that's the exact same thing. So making hay to me means something. Obviously, we all know um, you know, the, the story of making hay while the sun shines. And that really is relevant for all of us. So, while we're working, while we have money, while we have an income stream coming in, it's very important to save that money and invest that money while the sun shines. So, mm-hmm. you know, and part of what we do is just help, you know, if it's a practice owner, help them increase the enterprise value of their practice. So, if you're wondering what making hay means and why I chose that name, there's the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say.
1: <laughs> and there's the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah no, that's perfect good. I've heard Paul Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, that, and it's good to know. And actually, that you, you kind of touched on this because I wanted to get into this in terms of what your business and or investment philosophy is. And you just sort of touched on that. So, why don't we explore that a little more? When you're working with, an I'm assuming there are differences between when you're working with a a new vet and a new practice, as opposed to somebody who's been established and been around longer, but Mm -hmm. how do you, what is it that you, uh, you know, tell these folks and how do you advise them? And
2: Yeah, well, I think the number one thing that's most important is to have a plan, have a, a written financial plan. I mean, so many times I've met with people who, you know, they're doing all the right things. They're saving money, they're putting money in their 401k, they've got some savings, they've got a cash reserves, emergency money, all that good stuff. And they think they're doing the right thing. But it, when it comes time to spending the money or really knowing if they have enough money, they don't have a way to judge that or prove that. And so a written plan is important. And, and what I've kind of found is the people who don't have the written plan, as they get older, two things can happen. One is that they end up running out of money in their lifetime because they thought they had enough you know, or maybe they were spending too much. They weren't, you know, withdrawing the, the proper amount of money out of the plan. Right. Or the second type of person, which is very common in some older people, you know, retirees, is that they end up living a life that's compromised because they are fearful. They're fearful. It's the number one fear, matter of fact, of running out of money. Oh uh, yeah, and very so, much so. And so they don't do the things, you know, we're big believers on, hey, let's see if your plan supports that trip you know, to Europe, let's see if that if your plan supports that vacation home, or taking all the grandkids, you know, on a trip every year, whatever it is, and let's test it out. And let's prove that that works. So having the plan in place. And then the second thing, I think is so important is making sure that the plan, you can live with it. You know, a lot of times you might be told, hey, you know, you're 35 years old, or you're 40 years old, you need to be, you know, in an 80 20 plan, you know, 80% going into equity, and it's you know, just because they're supposed to do that, quote unquote, um, doesn't mean it's a plan they can live with. You know, if they need to have a little more protection and downside you know, protection, those are things that we can build into the portfolio. We make plans that are unique to every person. And so and just having a guide along the way, you know, um, a coach that says, hey, okay, let's look at your plan. Let's make sure this is still working. That's what's most important is the planning process.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people think of that is like the boring part of the process, but. Uh,
2: kind of, sort of.
1: Yeah. Kind of like, oh, God, we got to go sit down with Marcia and talk about our boring plan. Yeah. But it does afford a peace of mind, doesn't it?
2: It does. and And, you know, it's talking about like new graduates. Really, the biggest thing there is just start, just do something, save something consistent so you don't get that time back. And so if they start younger, I mean, even if it's hundred dollars a month, it can make a tr- tremendous difference at retirement time versus someone that's coming in at forty five or fifty or fifty five. And they're like, oh, no, I didn't really save. What do I how much do I have to save, Marcia? It, it, it's a huge amount of money that you've got to save out of your paycheck. So start early, um, have a plan there. So we're really good at, you know, a lot of people I feel like neglect younger people because they don't have any money yet (laughs) you know and a lot of financial advisors are only wanting to deal with the people that have a lot of money saved Um, and I think that's a huge mistake and also working with retirees you know we've we've got a, a client right now we're working with that is selling his practice and you know what he's most worried about
1: what
2: his three daughters you know like well, What's this world going to be like for them? Do they have enough? I mean, they're going to get the money anyway. So there's all kinds of things that we can do in the planning, give him peace of mind about his kids and, and educate them along the way, not waiting until mom and dad aren't here anymore.
1: No, that's very true. That's very true. Do you have a specialty that you deal in or where where are you good and where do you lay off other parts of the advising to in the office and stuff?
2: Yeah, so I do have an associate advisor here in the office with me, and we we really look at everything from the big picture, and we will work with our veterinary clients, CPAs, attorneys, whatever, to make sure we can refer them to one, if that's something that, you know, if it's an expertise that we don't have, a skill set we don't have, we're not CPAs, we're not attorneys, then, of course, we can assist there. But we can do everything from setting up the 401k plan at work, looking at the benefits, investing money, making sure you have an emergency plan is going to be step number one. When somebody's coming out of college, let's get you an emergency plan. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the proper amount of savings for them. We'll set all that up where it's on autopilot. And then, like I said, if it's a practice owner, we can go into you know everything from the 401k. Then when it comes time to exit plan, you know, we can bring in other experts. To help with the exit planning, CPAs to look at taxation and that kind of thing. Then what do we do with the money? Is this enough money? How much do I need to sell my practice? You know, most people don't know the number. How much money do I need in my accounts that I can retire? Oh. And so that is definitely an area of expertise for us is is to help them figure that number out.
1: And, yeah, I mean, and that can be a difficult equation. It you know. really-
2: It really can. And I'm a big believer. Listen, if you can retire young, do it, you know, and I think that's kind of uncommon advice from a lot of financial advisors and brokers. Um, They want the money kept with them to invest and they want to, you know, that's what they do for a living. And what we all do for a living. And they don't want them really touching the money. And I have a different belief on that. You know, I believe that you should live your best life. You know, a, a life of high happiness. And then being a financial advisor, also, I like to always tell people I feel like I'm a counselor a lot of times. And yeah. you know, once you really get to know someone, they tell you about the things that are going on in their family. Now, obviously, that's not a requirement. We don't want to know anything you don't want to tell us. Yeah. But what I find is that everything in life, money affects it, money is affected by it, or you need money for it, or you know, and so that's why I feel like I'm a counselor. A lot of times people come in and say, you know, well, I've got to do this, you know, my adult child needs this, this or this, what, what do you think I should do? Or there's a health crisis that comes up, you know, we're trying to figure things out. So they're sharing a lot of details with me. And so I just always like to say, I want to look at clients and and be able to say, not just solve the problems, but solve let's what would be the one thing that you would want to do if you could do it and you didn't know you yeah. could, right. And let's have a, ha- a life of high happiness. And um, so that's important.
0: Yeah.
1: No, I, I, I do like that attitude. Cause a lot of times you hear, you know, you hear the, you, you hear, or I think, I think of it as an excuse when people say, you know, money can't buy you happiness, right? It's like, no, it cannot buy you happiness, but money can facilitate money, can enable money can do a lot of things right not, money's not an end into of it into and of itself money just makes things possible
2: right absolutely and the lack of it causes a lot of pain and a lot of problems yep. <laughs> so um, we don't want to be where we run out of money i mean that's i've
1: been rich i've been poor i'd be I'd much rather be rich than be poor as it were all day
2: right? every day all day every
1: day um, well so, they, so that's a great point to transition off the practice to talk about high happiness because tell me about Marsha and you know When you're not working, what do you do for fun? What are your ideas of a good time outside of your professional life?
2: Yeah, great question. Um, There's two things I absolutely love. And uh, well, there's a lot of things I love. You know, I love my family. I love to cook. I love all kinds of things. But I am most happy when I'm near water. So Mm -hmm. if it's a lake or the beach, I, I was born in Florida in the panhandle. So maybe that's going back to my roots as well. But I love water and I love live music. So I'm going to be seeking those two things out somewhere and then finding, you know, fun things to do. And those, those are two things I love. Yeah.
1: What okay. Any kind of live music? You have a particular kind? What?
2: Oh, good question. I have a very eclectic taste in music. Ah. So I like everything from country to classic rock. I like blues. I love Joe Bonamassa. I mean, some people have never heard of him. He's amazing.
1: Oh no, he's pretty amazing. Yeah. I
2: even like, like, Ja- just good old jazz music here in Birmingham. There's a great jazz club, so you can find me there sometimes. So nice. um, yeah, so I like it all. I do.
1: Yeah, there's an energy that comes with live music that is very, very different. Than, like I, I, I have the same sort of a really eclectic music taste. There, are, it's all over the place. Yeah, listening to it on recorded is very different than experiencing it live.
2: Yes, it is. Absolutely.
1: Outside of music, what kind of, are you involved in the community or are you, you you know, what do you do out when when I can't find you at the beach or in the the (laughs) jazz club? What what do you find you doing?
2: Well, I go to church and I spend time right now. My dad's 91. So family is a big, important deal to me. I'm going to spend time with him. He lives three hours away. So that involves traveling for me. So um, spending time there. And then I have two adult sons. So if you ask me kind of, you know, what I'm most proud about, that's going to be it. These two, these two grown men that turned out to be successful men. And I I love watching them raise their children, you know, just being good dads and just good human beings. I feel like I need a prize, you know, like I did a great job of, you know, and they have a father as well. But, you know, that is um, definitely something I'm very proud of. and, And what I spend a lot of time with my kids.
1: Yeah, no, I understand that. That is a huge achievement. I was gonna I was gonna ask you what was your proudest achievement because I figured, <laughs> you know, at thirty-two owning your own business, a, a woman in the south owning her own business is pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, it was a time where thank you for saying that, but it was a time where I would go to conferences and I was like one of three or four women in the room. It's really? it's a different ball game now. And I, I love seeing, you know, females in this business. So yeah, I am proud of that too, but as far as where I spend my time, what I like to do when I'm not working, yeah. it's, it's going to be with family.
1: No, and I think that's great. I think yeah. that's fantastic. Um, I'm always curious about how people stay focused on on task. Is there anything, are there any tricks that you have, any hacks, any mantras, anything in terms of like, they keep you focused, That keep you on that task at hand that you could share with us?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, being in the business a long time, I've definitely seen my share of peaks and valleys. You know, and as, as you mentioned, being a female in the business back when it wasn't cool like it is now, I definitely just, I kind of always told myself, don't quit, you know, just like, don't quit, don't quit. I think there's a Babe Ruth saying about it's really hard to beat someone who won't give up or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And so that's just kind of how I I just keep showing up, you know, and show up every day. And that was really, and I still do that. And actually, I teach that to my clients, especially the younger clients and even the middle age and older clients too, like keep investing this money. Keep doing those Roth conversions because even though that's painful, it's getting you ahead of the game. And so just keep showing up. Keep being consistent is really, I think, a secret in life. Mm-hmm. And it's something my inner voice tells me all the time.
1: Yeah. Consist- there's an enormous an enormous amount of value in consistency and there's even greater value. In, it. it just sounds so anticlimactic, but just show up. Just be there.
2: Yeah. And just don't quit.
1: Yeah. Just hang on. Just, you know, what? what keep moving. <laughs> just,
2: don't, quit. don't quit contributing to your 401k.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Let's wrap up here because I've got a couple of just practical questions and we got folks okay. listening to you. I'm sure they're pretty well sold on, on who you are and why they might want to listen to you. Tell us why why should people listen to your podcast? What do you what do you want them to get out of it?
2: Yeah. Well, this podcast, when I decided I wanted to do it, I wanted to create stories and have people to interview that would create and nurture veterinarians. You know, it's not gonna all be boring financial stuff, as you put it, looking at the plan. That is pretty boring. I, I kind of geek out on it and love it, but just encouragement, you know, encouraging people to create that financial plan to elevate what's important, to analyze what's important in their lives. And then let's figure out how to elevate that and make that happen. And so anyone who wants to do those things, you know, and and listen to something that's edifying and uplifting and upbeat, but yet practical, then they should listen to this show.
1: It's not going to be all boring. <laughs> <laughs> Only kidding. <laughs> Only kidding. I'm just no, but it's, no, you're absolutely right. I endorse that idea that it's like listen and and learn what you can do with that money, learn how you can experience that money, mm-hmm. and you know, and learn how you can grow that money.
2: And, and one other thing is when I'm looking at when I have a new client come in and they bring me all their their data, their statements, they tell me about their lives, what they have going on, how much money they make. I'm kind of like a little detective over here. Like I'm always looking for. Problems. I'm looking for what can happen here. These people yeah. save a lot of money, but what's what could happen wrong? What could mess it all up? Could it be taxes? What could it be? You know. And so I, I'm like always looking for problems and solving problems that people didn't know they had. It's kind of what makes my my job fun.
1: Yeah, because us, excuse me, me, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really good at like looking at it and going, "Where's there? Where's, I wonder where there's a problem." I'm not I'm we're not good at that. So yeah. that's that's the advantage of having a financial advisor.
2: Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, a, a physician, I go to a wellness doctor, and that's what she tells me, hey, I'm trying to fix things before they happen. Let's look at your blood, let's look at your blood profile, let's do this, yes. let's do that. It's a different way of looking at going to the doctor and it's a different way of looking at your money, you know, like what could happen here or what do you want to have happen? Where how do we need to steer the ship to get in that direction?
1: That's terrific. So for the folks who've been listening and, and now I'm sure thinking, I want to get in touch with Marsha. How do they do that? Do they How do they reach out to you? How do they contact you?
2: Yeah, well, you can call me directly on my cell phone. So it's 205-739-1928. You can call our office. Um, so we have a team of people here to answer the phone and help you in any way. So that's 205-795-2013. Or you can go to my website, and an easy way to remember my website is meet with Marsha. And Marsha is M-A-R-C-I-A. So meetwithmarsha.com.
1: Marsha, so. Marsha, Marsha.
2: That's it. <laughs>
1: You're old
2: enough to know the Brady Bunch. I
1: am, <laughs> I am indeed. <laughs> so, well this is. has been a this has been a great visit and a nice introduction.
2: Yeah, I loved it. Uh, well,
1: thank you. No, I I've, I've very much enjoyed our conversation, and I thank you for your time and, and, and commitment to this. And I want to thank our listeners, for actually, for taking the time to listen to it. I was going to say if you're a new listener, but obviously, if you are listening to this, you probably are a new listener because this is the first podcast of Making Hay. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button. This makes it easy for you. You don't have to remember where you heard Marcia, where you heard making hay, when does making hay happen. If you hit the subscribe button, it gets delivered to you. You're you're given a reminder about the next episode, and you won't miss one as a result. We also would like to ask that you take the time to rate this podcast and share it with others, because by doing that, you turn others on to the podcast. Thank you so much for for listening. On behalf of Marsha, I'm Bill Tucker. And remember, don't wait to live your best day. Live it today.
0: Thank you for listening to the Making Hay podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at meetwithmarsha.com or give us a call at 205-795-2013. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security, or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Marsha Miller. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Marsha Miller, or RFG Advisory, or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Advisory services offered by Investment Advisory Representatives, or RFG Advisory, LLC,